But good morning, Central Assembly. It is an absolute joy to be here with you all. Uh, this is our home church. When we are not traveling, we are sitting where you are, and we are listening to the wonderful ministry of Pastor Jim and the team. Um, hard to believe, but it's now more than two decades, almost 24 years that we have been coming to Central Assembly. And for Jennifer and myself, I met Jennifer uh, in the kids' area, the multi-purpose hall. That was the youth center. We grew up right on these pews. It was right here where the youth tend to sit. That was where I saw her worshiping, and I was like, man, that, she, I like her. I like her a lot. And so I began to pursue her. Um, and so one thing led to another, and sure enough, about a few years later, about 10 feet behind me, uh, we got married right here on this stage. We said our wedding vows, little babies up there. It was an amazing day. And then we also, uh, we have two daughters, Gemma and Madison, nine years old and seven years old. And we dedicated both of them here, right where we're standing. Uh, there's the infamous, uh, there's our older daughter who apparently crouching tiger hidden pulpit didn't think that you could see her if she hid down there. But what a fun day that was. And then last week, last week we were proud parents and now I, at Central, I was baptized right up there in the baptismal tank, and Jennifer and I um, had the amazing privilege of seeing Gemma and Madison baptized just last week, and Jennifer and Beth were able to baptize them. So, man, we're so thankful. Central has been a huge part of our life, our story, our family story, and Pastor Jim and the team here have been so supportive of the Project Rescue Ministry, yes. But they've been so supportive of just our lives. We've been doing life here, and we're just grateful from Pastor Jim and the team, the kids workers, the volunteers. I know Mark and Sharon Faison are around here somewhere, and they're probably handing mints to our daughters because every week they do that. And sometimes it's just the little things. Now, we want to share with you today about the calling that God has placed on our lives, and we're going to get to that. But as I mentioned, we're celebrating 25 years of ministry, and in this season right now, I think the natural thought would be, well, of course, of course, Jennifer, the daughter, and of course, John, the son-in-law, are taking over Project Rescue. And I can tell you that is just simply not the case. For me, it is surreal that I'm actually sitting here sharing with you today. In fact, I swore I'd never do exactly what I'm doing right now, but God had other plans. Um, but we do. We feel it's important that on, not only God hears the call that he's placed on our lives, but we're also in a position now where He's asking us to cast a vision for the next season of Project Rescue, and so we're so excited about that. Now, we know that David and Beth, they're amazing leaders, but I assure you they weren't the ones that called us to Project Rescue. That was a God thing, and we want to share first, we're going to get into a little bit about our story and share kind of how we got here, but before that, we don't want to assume, even at Central Assembly, our home church, that everyone here knows all about Project Rescue and the genesis of it and the history of it. So we want to start there and share a little bit there. So 25 years ago, David and Beth were working in Southern Asia. And they had a colleague and a close friend who was leading the local teen challenge work. And he felt like the Lord called him to take an outreach team down into the heart of one of the largest and most infamous red light districts in the world. This was unheard of at the time. This was not a place where people of the church ever went. So there was a lot of questions about it. But this leader was committed. He knew that God had spoken, so he took his team, and they used a loudspeaker to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus throughout the roads, buildings, and brothels of that red light district. 
At the end of the service, nearly 100 young women came forward and said, we want to serve this Jesus that you spoke about, but we are not free to leave here. We are slaves. Could you take our daughters to a place of safety? Because if they stay here with us, they will be sold just like we were. So that night, that leader called my dad and said, Brother Grant, there are 37 little girls here. Can we take them? There was no plan, no strategy, no advance notice. The trafficking word wasn't even well known at that point. No one really knew what this was that we were dealing with. But David Grant, not good with the details or the plan, but always a man of great faith, without hesitation said, yes, we will take them. They're God's daughters. We will take them. And that was the night that Project Rescue was born. What followed was quick rental of a small apartment, ladies in the local church just volunteering to help, and the mobilization of hundreds of prayer partners around the world, and this small apartment in the middle of this big city with 37 little girls became the very first Project Rescue Home of Hope. And I was 12 years old when Project Rescue started. And I remember so vividly sitting on the floor of that tiny apartment as that first group of girls was brought in from the red light district. And some of them were 12, just like me. And the shame and the horror that I saw on their faces that day is something that I will never forget. I carry it with me. And the things that they had seen and experienced at the age of 12, I could not even begin to comprehend. And I remember all the adults around me talking about hope. Hope, that's why we're doing this. And I can honestly say that I thought inside, is there really hope? Not just hope for rescue. I get it. We got them to a safe place. They're not in the red light district anymore. But with all they've been through and with all they've experienced, is there really hope for full healing? Hope for new life? And as we embarked on this journey, God just kept showing up and proving to us time and time again that he is their hope. I watched as young girls, traumatized and violated beyond belief, found hope and they found healing in Jesus. I watched as they grew up in a safe and a loving, faith-filled community. I watched as they received an education, as they got counseling, as they received medical care, whatever it is that they needed. And I watched them choose to go to college. And I watched some of them choose careers. And I watched some of them start families. And I got to watch each of them find a relationship with Jesus and become the women that God had created them to be. The heart and vision behind Project Rescue, to rescue and restore women and children in sexual slavery around the world that really began to take root in people's hearts and the ministry grew. Project Rescue now works in 11 countries across three continents and ministers to over 60,000 women, 60, women and children each year. And because I grew up with Project Rescue, the ministry was always a part of my heart. I've loved it since I was 12. But I never imagined that I would be here, standing in front of you and representing Project Rescue. And I never in a million years thought I would follow in David and Beth Grant's footsteps. I had quite a different plan picked out for my life. 
as he mentioned, I met this guy right here in this building, and we fell in love. He obviously fell in love with me way before I fell in love with him. <laughs> she, loves, she loves to say that. And while true, I, I do want to mention to the Central family, I pursued her for years in high school, and she kept saying no, she wouldn't date me, but she also didn't want me dating anyone else. Which I, I think that's totally reasonable. <laughs> but the persistence paid off, and it's been wonderful. For the, yeah, it's been wonderful. <laughs> Just like Jennifer, I had my life mapped out as well. We, we kind of had, ministry was no part of what we intended to do. For me, the route was going to be baseball. Now, I grew up, for the most part, in high school here at Hillcrest High School, and I played baseball pretty well, and in 2003, I actually had the opportunity to pursue my lifelong dream, which was baseball. And in 2003, in the fifth round of the Major League Draft, the Tampa Bay Rays selected me. And I just, I'll never forget that day. It was one of the coolest days of my life. Um, it was on old AOL dial-up, and, and I heard my name called, and I went outside, and I got teammates, and they're beeping horns, and and hugging each other, and, and young people, this was before you could send texts and direct messages, and so you actually had to go to the person and hug them, and it was awesome. And so right after that, though, I got in my car, and I raced over to Jennifer's house. And one of the things I love about Jennifer is she knows absolutely nothing about sports. I mean, nothing. And we hadn't really talked much about baseball or the future or anything like that up to this point. Well, I go up to her front porch. We sit on the front porch swing, and I said, Babe, I, got, I just got drafted. And the look on her face was anger. And she said, they, they, can't, they can't do that to you. They can't force you to go play baseball. And the only draft I'd heard about was the military draft. So, you know, in my defense, and I did not grow up in a sports-loving household. So I did not know, and it sounded completely crazy, but I got on board. So <laughs> after I explained to her, I don't have to go, I get to go, this is amazing. And so she agreed, and not long after that, I signed my professional contract and began to pursue my dream of baseball. So he gets to go play baseball, and I graduated from Hillcrest also. Did not feel, again, a specific call to full-time ministry. Uh, you know, I was always involved with Project Rescue on the side, but I had always felt drawn to the nursing field. So I went to Evangel University, and I became a registered nurse. So... He's playing baseball, I'm working as a nurse, and we settled in and could see our very comfortable future, making money and supporting Project Rescue with our prayers and our finances. But clearly, a lot, a lot has changed. And so, in 2006, um, I was having the year of my life, like one of those all-star years that you dream about, and I just remember coming home from that season, and I'm like, babe, next year, get ready. We need to start looking for houses in Tampa. This is gonna happen. And between the end of 2006 to the beginning of 2008, I found myself out of baseball entirely. And there's a lot to this story that I don't have time to go into, but we'll just say with a combination of injuries and a diagnosis of Lyme disease, which took me from about 170 pound playing weight, and I went down to about 117 pounds, which is really difficult. Combination of those things, I found myself in 2008 here in Springfield, Missouri, grappling with the end of my dream. And what I'll say is the next two years were by far the most challenging years of my life. I mean, I've, I've heard people refer to it as the dark night of the soul or, or whatever else you want to call it. All I know is I really struggled with God in this season. Is he good? Why would he give this to me only to take it away? And so my heart 
began to grow a little bit hard, a little bit hard. But I'm always practical and pragmatic, so I determined, you know what, I'm going to go to Evangel University while I sort through all this stuff. I'm going to get my degree in business. I decided I was going to get a job in finance, and if I wasn't going to be famous and wealthy, I was at least going to be wealthy. And if you're judging me, I was 25, and I judge me too, so go right on ahead. But at that time, that was the challenges that I was facing. And the problem was, it was 2009, and the Great Recession had hit, and as you know, it is an awful time to try to find a job in finance. So job after job after job just kept falling through, and I just felt like, God, where are you? God, where are you? And during this time, a very persistent David Grant, as Pastor Jim talked about, he would knock on my door, or he'd call me on the phone, and he'd say, John, why don't you come work with Project Rescue? We got a place for you over here. And I kept saying, no, no, no. And by about the fourth or fifth job that fell through, I finally called David and almost indignantly, I said, David, I will come work with Project Rescue. I said, but I have three conditions. And I call these my three millennial demands. I said, number one, I'm not doing this for more than a year. And while I'm doing this, I'm going to be looking for something else. I said, number two, I do not want to travel overseas. It's a long way. I get scared flying over the ocean. I get anxious. I don't like it. I'm not going to do it. I said, number three, I said, and this is the big one, David. I said, I will not under any circumstances get up in front of a church and share my story or share about Project Rescue. <laughs> now, just as a recap for you guys, this is my 13th year with Project Rescue. I've been overseas more than 30 times now, and in this moment, I am both sharing my story and about Project Rescue. So young people, be careful what you say. The question then is, well, what happened? Well, what happened? Well, six months into that first year, and I've never heard an audible voice from the Lord, but as clearly as I'm sharing with you today, I felt the Lord call me to Project Rescue. And the word I kept hearing is, serve. You're going to serve. You're going to serve. And it was an incredibly bittersweet moment because it's not what I wanted to hear, but at the same time, feeling the sense of God's calling, there was a peace there. And the two things I want to say to that that I've learned over, as I've really battled the Lord over these 10 years, because this is really hard for me, this is not easy for me. One is, your testimony's not for you. It's for others. Number two is, if you feel like God and your walk with Jesus is easy or it slots into your life really well and really comfortably, God has more for you. I challenge you that you may not be doing enough. And if that offends you, Jim Bradford said it like five years ago, and I'm taking it directly from him. So send your emails his way. So for nine years, I was working as a nurse, and he was walking through this journey um, and working with Project Rescue. So my parents were working with Project Rescue. My husband was, and I, again, on the side was, but I started to feel the Lord tugging on my heart. And I knew that he did not want me on the sidelines anymore. He wanted me in the fight full time. So seven years later, we work together. We serve together. Our whole family serves together. And Project Rescue is who we are. And we are raising two girls, two daughters, in the midst of this work that is pretty hard when it comes to that. And there are moments where, if I'm honest, I still struggle to understand the horrors that we face every day. But when I come face to face with a woman who's been trafficked, abused, or exploited, whether it's in the brothels of Southern Asia, on the streets of Europe, 
or at a church here in the U.S., I am better equipped to respond than I was at 12 years of age. Because over these last 25 years, I have seen what Jesus can do. And I can look her in the eye, and without a doubt, without a question in my mind, I can tell her there is hope, there is healing, and there is new life. Because I know the one who promises I am making all things new. And I can introduce her to him, and I can tell her if anyone is in Christ, she is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Over these last 25 years, miracles have happened. It has been miraculous. And this morning, we are just so privileged to sit here and be able to share some of these miracles with you. I want to introduce you to Amy. Amy is a beautiful young woman from Nigeria. She was deceived into traveling to Spain as a nanny and was told she would be paid a good salary through which she could pay back her travel to Europe and she'd be able to send money to her impoverished family. She was taken on a perilous journey through Northern Africa that lasted for months and she endured hunger, illness, and violence. Along the way, she was beaten and raped. And after traveling by boat from Libya to Italy, she finally arrived in Spain and discovered the real reason that she had been brought there. She'd been sold into sexual slavery. She was told she had to pay back 50,000 euros, the equivalent to around $61,000. And if she didn't, they would kill her and her family. She was constantly subjected to beatings, threats, and voodoo rituals. And at one point, Amy became pregnant was drugged so that she would miscarry, and she had so much bleeding that she almost died. But one day, Amy was found on the road by Spanish police without paperwork, without, paperwork, without a passport, and she was referred to the Project Rescue Home in Madrid. She was afraid, insecure, and in need of physical, spiritual, and emotional healing. But now, thanks to the love and care she received at the home, and as a result of a transformational relationship with Jesus, Amy is a new woman. She has been baptized. She met a young man. They got married. She has babies. She has taken courses in Spanish and now also as a social mediator because she wants to work with Project Rescue and help other young women who have struggled in the same situation that she did. And now Amy's face glows with the, true no, with the true joy of knowing Jesus. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. Amen. And these stories that we picked out today have been just so impactful for Jennifer and my journey as God has led us to this point. And so the story I want to share with you today is actually from an opportunity I had in 2016 to take what is still one of my favorite trips of all time, overseas, and that's a team right here from Central. I was able to take a group of guys from the Central softball team back in 2016. Now, one of our ministries at that time in Southern Asia, we had a, a safe home there called Sharonstan, which means Village of Hope, and that was a rental facility, and it was bursting at the seams. We had about 59 young girls in that home, and the rental facility was only really able to fit about 35 of those. And so, 
when they heard about the project, and this was what was so cool, Central, our, our family, our church here, they jumped in and got behind the project. And so we took the team over, and one of the places we were able to visit is we got to, to see the construction site where the home was going to be. Uh, the whole team got a chance to pray and intercede over the land. And I just remember how special it was for me to have all the friends in the church uh, be a part of that. And the project was also really special to me because when I first started working with Project Rescue, uh, this was the first project. Sharon Stan was the first project that David Grant handed to me and said, hey, we're growing. I can't get to everything. I need you to really take this on and make sure the children, the women, make sure they're all taken care of. So I had a special place in my heart. So on this particular trip, um, we got to do a lot of things. And one of my favorite parts of the trip was getting to spend time in our children's homes. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do every time I go. So the first thing we did is we went to the boys' home, and the softball guys tried to figure out cricket. Um, it went okay. Um, there was copious amounts of ibuprofen that was needed the next day for, for some of the older guys, but it was an awesome day. And then the next day, we went to the girls' home. And, and I told the guys in advance, one of the things that they like to do the most is they like to dance. They are going to make you dance. So when you pull up in the bus, when you get off the bus, leave your self-respect on the bus and walk into the home. Because they are going to want you to dance, and they enjoy knowing that we're not very good at it. So we did that. The team had an amazing time, as you can see in the photo. It was just such a fun time. Another thing that happened there is they got to meet a young girl that has been an inspiration to me, and her name is Kavita. And I want to share a little bit about her story with you today. Kavita grew up in a red light district in the same city. She's about 20 minutes from where that house you just saw was. Her mom was trafficked at 16 years old, and from the age of five years old, Kavita had a job, and her job was to clean up after her mom and others had service customers in the brothel. Kavita's mom abused her consistently, mistreated her, and would often tell her, you are nothing, and one day, and this makes my skin crawl, one day you will be in the flesh trade, you will be a prostitute, just like I am. And soon, and very soon, that will happen. So Kavita told me at eight years old, she, she said, at eight years old, I remember crying out to a God, praying to a God I didn't even know existed yet. And she would say, whoever you are, wherever you are, please send someone to help me. And when she was sharing the story with me, she said it was about a month after that, a little over a month, she said the Project Rescue Team came knocking at the door of the brothel. And Kavita was introduced to the Project Rescue Team, and so was her mother. Now, it took months of convincing from, with her mom, but Kavita was eventually released into the Project Rescue home. Her prayer was answered. Kavita thrived in the Project Rescue program. She found Jesus. She was surrounded by a family of faith that loved and cared for her. Jennifer and I had the opportunity to watch her grow from such a young age, and one of the things we loved about her is she was very quiet, but she had this quiet confidence in knowing who she was in Jesus. It was just such a beautiful thing to see. And one of the most common questions that Jennifer and I get all the time is, well, what is it exactly that Project Rescue does? What do you do? And our response is typically to recite the mission statement. We exist to rescue and restore victims of sexual slavery through the love and power of our God. But if I could, I would show every person the video that I'm about to show you. Now, in 2016, our central men's team, as you saw, they were dancing, we were having a good time, playing games with some of the children. And our director of the home, our, the home there said, 
Hey, children, let's come around. Does anyone want to share anything with the team? Anything that's on your heart? Could be about school, about soccer, whatever you want it to be. An introverted and very shy Kavita, she stood up, and this is what she had to say. It's, it's one of my favorite videos of all time, and I'm so grateful one of the guys was rolling their cell phone at the time. There's just so much raw emotion in that, and there's a, a point in that, uh, what she says there, that I, I just want to pull out, and it was quick, but I think it really captures the heart of Project Rescue. There's a part when she's talking where she says, I learned that I am daughter. See, the ultimate goal for Project Rescue is not just the physical rescue. The physical rescue is just the beginning. 
What the ultimate goal is, is that a Kavita, a woman, a child, anyone would stand up and boldly say, I am a son of God, or I am a daughter of God. What's exciting now is Kavita, not only does she work at the home of hope that she grew up in, but she is the director of the girls' home, the home that Central Assembly helped build. And so that's pretty amazing. And Kavita, now she goes in to the Red Light District. She goes into the Red Light District Church. Eight, eight years old, she didn't want to live anymore. Eight years old, she didn't know who God was. And now she will be the reason that hundreds, if not thousands others, of, of others find Jesus and she is amazing now at discipling. And so it's a joy to see that happen. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Project Rescue is committed to women like Kavita, women like Amy. We are committed to the rescue, committed to care for them, to provide medical care, to provide education, to provide whatever it is that they need. But just like Jonathan said, that physical rescue and care is just the beginning. Our director in Southern Asia says it best when he says, if we rescue a woman or a child from the, from the brothel, if we feed her, if we clothe her, if we educate her, but fail to introduce her to the God who created her, the rescue is incomplete. We have done her a disservice. Project Rescue will never be just a social justice organization. Our goal is to see a world where all are free from sexual slavery, yes, but where all are free and are living as fully empowered daughters and sons of God. There are so many stories like Amy's and stories like Kavita's that we could share with you, and all I can say is I'm happy to stand up here and to say to you that God is not running out of miracles anytime soon. As long as we are faithful, he just keeps showing up and changing lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I've said it several times this morning. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. That promise is still true today. And Central Assembly, that promise is as true here today for us as it is for women in red light districts around the world. There is no story too dark, no past or shame too great that God cannot redeem it. So whatever you have been through this morning, this promise that we're talking about is not just for women around the world, it is for you. He longs, our God longs to rescue you and restore you, yes, and he longs to redeem your story and use it to help others. He is hope for trafficked women everywhere today, and he is hope for you and for me. Amen. I want to ask Pastor Jim if he would come forward just as we close this. As we mentioned earlier, this is Project Rescue's 25-year anniversary, and it's given us a chance to really look back and see what God has done and, and over the years just seeing the way it's always been the church that has stepped up and been the fuel to power the ministry of Project Rescue. And I love being here last week with Devin and Ruthie as they talked about the Comoros Islands and some of these places where without intentionality, the gospel is just not going to go. The gospel will not just magically find its way into a red light district. I promise you that. 
And so through the footprint focus and through the missions giving of churches around the country and around the world, we're able to see Kavitas, we're able to see Amy's, people that you may never meet, but as the song says, even when you can't see it, God is working. God is at work around the world, and it's just, for us, it is, it's fun that your home church is behind you in such, a, such an incredible way. For Project Rescue, yes, but also just thank you from our family for being a support to us, a support to our girls. Uh, we love you guys, Pastor Jim, you and Sandy, the way that you've shepherded us and, and honestly convicted us many times. Um, we, we just appreciate all you guys have done, so 